0: Katie, I'm Mel, and we're your hosts. This week, we watched Outlaw King, directed by David Mackenzie and released in 2018. The plot of the film goes something like this. A true David V. Goliath story of how the great 14th century Scottish Outlaw King Robert the Bruce used cunning and bravery to defeat and repel the much larger and better equipped occupying English army. Whew, that was a mouthful. Yes. Um, I just didn't have the energy to rewrite. No, that's okay. <laughs> um, I just, oh, boy. It was um, a long sentence, that's all. So um, this – yeah. Oh, sorry. we done. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, thought I'd do intro this, and you can do it. Yeah, no, no. This movie's out on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, It didn't get a cinema release, which we'll probably discuss later. Yeah, so we'll do a um, spoiler-free bit to tell you whether we think you should watch this movie. Um, I think so. I mean – I got more out of it than I was expecting to. I quite enjoyed a lot of it, but it is a really, really slow burner. <laughs> like it, I think it's just too much at the start um, and it could cut down a lot. But I think the back half of the movie is really good, mm. really fun and really interesting. Mm. And it's got some really good performances and you could do a lot worse on Netflix. Yeah, well, that's right. And I don't think this was meant to be a Netflix release. I don't really know the story about it. All, all I knew about this movie before it I watched it was, this is the one where Chris Pine gets naked. Yep. Um, the Pine Peen movie, as we uh, uh, abbreviated it. You you wrote Outlaw King to me and I was like, oh, that's the one with Chris Pine's dick. Yeah. So, so which I was about to say, it's a very small part of the movie, but that's not the right way to say that. <laughs> no. But um, it's <laughs> a funny way to say it, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, would, that would be a rude way of saying that. Anyway, but it, it really wasn't... But when once I was actually in the movie, I sort of forgot that that was the thing that the movie was about. That, or rather I didn't. The thing that I knew, I knew it was coming, but I. <laughs> oh, Welcome to innuendo bingo podcast. <laughs> uh, yes, get genu- out your bingo cards. Tick off all of the references. Genuinely though, though I forgot that innuendos. there was going to be penis, and then then I was like, then there was a sex scene. I was like, oh, I wonder when the naked bits happening. But so, oh, I wrote in my notes. Oh, is that all it was? Like. <laughs> We were so built up and it was just, like, the top of his see dick what, and then later on it happened. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even that one, though, he's he. – I'm sorry, this, it, this is very – slightly spoilery, but he's very brave, right? Because the scene in which you do see his penis is him um emerging – cold water. Yeah, yeah, from a cold – swim in a cold stream. So, like – but anyway, yeah, it's a tribute to the movie, though, that honestly I forgot that that was going to be a thing and I was just sort of wrapped up in the story. Hmm. I did quite enjoy it, especially for a Netflix movie. It's a good. I thought I wrote down at some point. It's a good Sunday night one. Like Mm. it's the kind of thing you can imagine people putting on TV on a Sunday night. I also found I will be recommending it to my father who likes you know real historical sort of stuff. So and I really like history stuff too. So, but that said, I had to watch it with the subtitles on so I could see. Not because I, I needed translation of what they were saying but so i could see the character names ironically i found this much more understandable than hell or high water yeah, yeah, yeah. i understood oh. the accents much better in this although it's possibly because we had such international scots in this film well yeah, um, yes um but it also had a scottish director yeah so i don't think he was too like it, he wasn't like worried about you know <laughs> pumping that up too much but yeah i enjoy this i like a history so i also had done wikipedia open when i was watching it just to kind of so i could work out who was who and what was going on so if that that's and i find scottish history really impenetrable sorry <laughs> um i do because just there's so many lords and they've all got the same names and this is from like the early 1300s so it's so long ago and although it is essentially a sequel to Braveheart yes that's what I was gonna say I was like oh William Wallace I know who that is mm. I know where we are <laughs> yeah um, so that, that was kind of helpful and um, also also something else helped me I think I'll get into that in the spoiler section but I'll tell you something else that helped me with it yeah too. so like if you're into history stuff definitely that's a good fun thing as well but i did just want to mention I quite enjoyed Chris Pine's two offsiders, were main offsiders were Alan, Aaron Taylor Johnson and um, Tony Curran, and I thought they were both very good, yeah. very sort of reliable. And yeah, once some. Um, Aaron Taylor Johnson has the best arc in this movie. He really kind of mm. goes for it and is a r- yeah. lot of fun in this. I did find it a little slow, but then it was sort of a weird pacing thing because mm. it's like not much happens for about. 40 minutes maybe an hour and then all of a sudden a whole lot of interesting stuff happens at Mm. once and and then you actually get into the battles and the guerrilla warfare and all that sort of thing so the pacing was maybe a little bit off but i did very much enjoy myself Mm. um yeah i'd agree with that so we should should get into the spoiler section yes let's do that so there's this bad ish movie that stars charlie cox that came out a while back about the stone of scone um, yes and that they mentioned that in this, and I was like, I know what that is. I know what this is about. You were one up on me because I was like, they were like, we're going to Schoon. Yes, but I was and like, I was oh, like, I know what's what this going- is. Okay, you've got to be crowned at Schoon. Yeah. Like, okay, I didn't, yeah. And then they say it. They're like, oh, the, the British, they have our um something and they have our, our coronation stone. And I was like, I know that. That was the one that they tried to steal in that movie. Oh, so you taught was, like, me something here. So I, I actually managed to piece together some of this movie based on that dodgy Charlie Cox movie. So thanks, Charlie Cox. So one thing I did notice I forgot to mention because it really wasn't a spoiler is the opening title. Like this movie is called Outlaw King in every piece of – like information about it except in the opening title where it's outlaw slash king yeah which i appreciated actually i yeah, was I like oh was i good. get i get where uh, they're going with this yeah <laughs> i liked it i like that yeah that was um it did actually kind of remind me of robin hood a bit in mm. quite a few especially once they got into the guerrilla warfare and the thing is this movie is not that great till they get to the guerrilla warfare and it is more than an hour in that yeah, they get to it. It's a long time. There's a bit at the beginning that's sort of interesting. When you build up the relationship between Robert and Elizabeth, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And or when he kills Callan Mulvey, I think is interesting. Oh, yeah. that, that thing that sort of sets off mm. the whole thing. Like, he's been this really good guy up until that point. And, you know, he's got this cute kid and he's good to the kid and he's got a dog yeah. that he loves and he likes his wife. Dad Pine. Yeah. He likes his wife and he's good to the servants and all that kind of thing. And, like... That bit where he goes to talk with, with Callum Mulvey's character and then he realizes it's all gone pear-shaped so he stabs him, that's like a, a – that was cool. Yeah, and that shows you that he is someone who can make the the um difficult call to stay in power mm. in this time. Yeah. Because it is such a violent time and, and it is mm. like you have to have that kind of killer instinct to – Keep the power yeah yeah which is shows that he's going to be able to do that but he really Mm. takes a long time to make up his mind i also found it impenetrable in all the characters there's two separate times when a character shows up and they're like it's so good to see you again and i'm like who who is this (laughs) we've seen this person before Uh and one of them was such a minor character too the the teenage kid oh yeah yeah all he does as far as i can remember before that is like it's before the sex scene and chris pine talks to him a little oh yeah yeah he could also have been drafted in like they try to draft in a 14-year-old boy into service and yeah, Elizabeth wondered. stands up for him and maybe that's the same kid? I don't think it's the same kid. They seem to have different hair. Honestly, it was hard to tell. It's so hard to tell. There's and so many there's... dudes in this movie and they're all covered in a lot of mud and it's Scotland, so it's all very grey and green. The, the mud thing I'll talk about later too. But there's a, And then there's a bit where an old guy shows up and he's like, well, you're here now. And I'm like, was he not there before? <laughs> what? Who is this? Yeah. And then uh, I, so I, I worked that one out. Yeah. But, few, yeah. but it was a cu- it was a good like couple minutes of thinking well, about it. I and just I was like, assumed. Oh, on the road with the people parting. Yeah, I just assumed it was that guy, but But he you it, I mean he's not memorable enough. And that's one thing. No, and they and didn't and they didn't use his name either. Like in the in the first time he was they called it by his name, like McDougal or whatever. But of course <laughs> this is freaking Scotland, so there's McDougal's and Mackenzie's and, and McDonald's and Douglas's and Frasers and, 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 and like all the same names in Scottish history, it was still the same names in Scottish history five hundred years later. And I still can't keep up with them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, exactly. So you're just sitting there like, Who are these people? Yeah. Why do I care? So what I felt would have saved this movie for me is some really good old school like eighties, nineties filmmaking where everything is a bit bigger. And they cut those things down to just one guy, so they consolidate yeah. some roles into just yeah. one guy that comes back later or something, or you know have the kid around being annoying for a while so that you know who the this kid is. is this kid yeah. like and cut down on the brothers and stuff i don 't care if it 's historically inaccurate but the thing is it 's not i don 't think it 's quite historically accurate anyway, anyway yeah. it gives him three brothers, and he did have something like three or four brothers and a whole bunch of sisters. They cut the sisters out basically, although I think that's meant to be the ladies who travel with the wife and daughter. Mm. but yeah, the the thing is they don't they're not historically accurate about the brothers anyway. No, mm. so that's not fully accurate. So cut that down. yeah, exactly. Cut down a lot of this stuff. um, have him have three offsiders that he really likes and and one of those guys dies in that first fight. Yeah, no, sorry second third that fight at that point make it it because one of the offsiders was the brother so yeah of these three so that make the brother die those fights too yeah like don't do a whole bunch of different fights that because by the time they were fighting in the water i was like you can't just put fights in it's like fight porn like they just put fights in different locations to make try and make them interesting now and Uh, i'm like well i wasn't that interested last time yeah and i mean the yeah, you can sacri- – like, it was already sacrificing a bit of historical accuracy. And I get that the director's Scottish, so, like, maybe he knows all this stuff a lot better than people who aren't Scottish, but it w- is not very accessible. No. And that's – that's like, what like, I had to work at it, and I'm a big nerd about this stuff. Right. And I'm not, so I didn't care. But also the reason the, – the other thing where I think it could have done with some, like, 90s style filmmaking is having a bigger villain – Oh, yeah. yeah. Like a, a a bigger performance from the villain. I found that actor very wishy-washy and not interesting. See, I didn't mind him actually, the guy playing Prince of Wales slash Edward II. Yeah, but I, I mean I never found him either menacing enough or wimpy enough until that last bit where he is crying and running away, and that was more the writing of the character than the performance for me. Yeah, Like I just felt he was never really – he, they needed a much bigger performance, mm. something that could match the three main performances. Um, yeah. Oh, four actually, because Florence Pugh, I keep forgetting about, but yeah, she was quite she was good really too. Good, I thought. Um, could have done with a lot more cutting back to her and a lot more of her actually doing something. Mm. Um, but. I mean, I, I I like that they gave her something to do, yeah, and yeah. not just being a helpless wife. And she's like, because being a you know medieval wife, not much is known about her, so they had a bit of scope to mm. do stuff with her. And same with the daughter, but who that actress was not good. That child, no. actress was terrible. <laughs> and also, was she Scottish? Clearly not. No, because she doesn't do an accent at all, right? No, no. It, yeah, that was weird. But um, oh, so the yeah, the, what you needed was somebody who could match. The intensity of Chris Pine or Aaron Taylor-Johnson or even Tony Curran, who was the least of the three, not as an actor necessarily, but in the performance. The like least his- intense performance, yeah. yeah. And I mean, he has he, the but, but- cute bit where he goes to his home island and his wife, who's yes. called Anya, which is great. I liked that a lot. Yeah. Um, but also he is the voice of reason. Yeah, yeah. And he, he has that role to play with those these two hotheads. Exactly. And he did a great performance mm. and had red hair, so we knew who he was. Mm. Um, yeah, yep. <laughs> I love how they gave his whole family really bright red hair yeah. too. I was like it was Thank very you. cute. This is much appreciated. But yeah, because the other two obviously fairly famous historical figures, Robert the Bruce and the Black Douglas. Mm. And so they are over the top and that's fine. And he's well, he's quite good in that. I don't think he – well, I think Aaron Taylor-Johnson does go over the top at the end, but only in a way that makes sense with the character. And I don't think Chris Pine oh, – first time he came in, I was like, who is this drama bitch? And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, oh right. Because yeah. you can't see his face properly at first. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. That actually makes sense. But I like the journey that he went on from being like kind of meek and downtrodden and like – he he felt so defeated, mm. you know. Like I thought, Aaron Taylor Johnson did such a good performance in that way. Like he just seemed like he was so defeated and alone, and didn't have that camaraderie that that Robert the Bruce had with everyone. Yeah, he very he definitely felt alone and like. His father is, was clearly out of favour or whatever, and he showed up. But he was very intense from fairly early on. Like oh, watching yeah, he's him an practice, intense actor. Watching him practice his sword drills, which was amazing. He's clearly yeah. done a lot of work on his sword stuff. Actually, the stunt, there's a really good stunt in the fight where the English attack their camp in the middle of the night, yeah. and he has to send the daughter and wife off. Chris Pine does this thing where somebody charges at him on a horse, hits yeah, yeah, yeah. him with a lance, falls off the horse, gets up from the horse, grabs a sword, and then stabs a guy. Most interesting part in any battle in the whole thing. Amazing stunt. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, great stuff. but uh, Yeah, like, and obviously Aaron Taylor-Johnson's sword stuff was cool too, but that was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so too. But Aaron Taylor-Johnson, like he is a very intense kind of actor, yeah. but I thought he was – it worked for this role and I liked watching the journey and you can see him start to kind of have that spark and come alive mm. as he gets to hang out with other people and, yeah. you know, he gets – re-socialized yeah um yeah. and there's this very sweet line it's one of the only lines that i remember when chris pine is like i already lost one brother i don't want to lose another one." Oh yeah which was really kind of like and that's what he needed and then he goes back and he retakes his home in another really like that was one of the mm. only you know really cool battle scenes oh my god and he yeah when he retakes that castle and his face is just covered in blood yeah. like he kills a guy in church yeah which is a lot but then he's his face is just covered in blood he runs up the stairs and tells all his tenants come inside eat this feast that was made for your enemy like and then and I, then sacks the place it's amazing i also think there might be a thing running through the movie that i couldn't quite understand about different religions Oh, like yeah, i the think that they might have been different denominations but i couldn't quite follow it's the thirteen hundreds, so everyone's catholic like there hasn't really been a reformation yet yeah um but definitely there's a little bit about the scot i mean there's all the the independent stuff of the celts like the scots you hear them speak gaelic a a bit and like obviously it's really interesting actually like from sort of historical perspective like the scots and the irish were basically like the first colonial victims of the English. Like mm. they they moved into England and then they they it took they were the first sort of indigenous people that they took on. So I think there's like and the Scottish Church and the English Church have always sort of operated independently, even though when then they were all Catholics. So I don't f- I don't fully understand it all, but the the Scots go a lot of the Scots go Protestant earlier on, but again I'm not, but that's later right? It's, it's like five hundred years yeah. later. So I, so everyone's Catholic at this point, but I think the Scottish guys are very much on the side with their own lords and not so much with what's going on down in England. Yeah, because they talk about God and they just seem to have different relationships with God. Yes. But I couldn't really figure it out. Yeah. And then I gave up because I just didn't care. No. Um and that was like it was very subtle as well. Yeah. But the killing the guy in church and then throwing them in the well and then being like, "Hey, everybody come and eat." Mm. And like <laughs> and then he does the oh, like the mad shot- from the, of the well, like when he spits in the yeah, well. Yeah. Oh my God. Such a good shot. And then like, then he becomes like a full kind of mad Scotsman from that point on mm. and like throws down that gauntlet. And that's when, especially I think the other actor seemed weak to me when he just had that one scene with Aaron Taylor Johnson, just acting him off the screen, like by through by, you know, basically, you know, mm. dicking around and throwing down the gauntlet. And I was like, this is not even a contest. And then he goes, "Ugh, oh, these people. Yeah. And I was like, "This that could have been li- delivered so well by somebody with a little mi- bit more pizzazz. Yeah. <laughs> like a little bit more showmanship about but it. You can't see this, listeners, but Katie's doing jazz hands and yes. she says pizzazz. Well, because the person who keeps coming to mind, and I, I think it's only because I kept thinking Robin Hood when I was watching this, but the person who keeps coming to mind is Alan Rickman in Prince of Thieves, which I think is two. Prince of Thieves? Yes. Yeah, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which I think is too big. (laughs) Right. But, like, something like that, you know? Because you knew he was sniveling but Mm power-hungry. You knew that about him, where it was kind of hard to follow that with Edward a lot of the time. And, like, when he's menacing um, Florence Pugh and the little girl, Mm. I just didn't care that much because he just didn't seem very scary. Yeah, I was like, I should feel so scared for her right now, and she's giving a scared performance. Yeah, well, that was actually—I—I I didn't think that was terribly done no. because, like, the way they—they they put a rope around his neck and drag it—that's quite shocking. Yeah, um, and they quarter him and stuff. But that isn't—that's what I mean. Like, it's all in the filmmaking and in other things. Mm. It's not in his performance. His menace mm. isn't there, and if he's not going to be menacing, then he should be wimpy but he's not wimpy enough in that scene either. Mm. He's not either of those things in that scene. He's just kind of there. And then I was like, "Well, are they trying to show that he's conflicted?" But he wasn't really conflicted either. No. So what, what were they doing? Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know that much about Edward II, but I did read a book about his wife once, whose wife ended up deposing him. And he was like that as far as I know, like weak and wishy-washy, but like he thinks he wants to do things, he's but he's not good at doing them. Yeah, but I feel like that could have been really clearly sort of portrayed by someone. I feel like there's just there's an actor out there who would have been really good in this role, mm. and they went for this guy instead, and he's just a bit too pretty and a bit too – looks like he went to Eton. You know, he just isn't like <laughs> – That works, though. He's the Prince of Wales. like I know, you know. but he there's nothing – he looks like he just has studied acting a lot. Right. Like he doesn't feel like he's really – yeah, I, I, I didn't have the same experience with him. I didn't mind him. And it was I just like clear like that movie, even his own father thought he wasn't great. Yeah, I know. But that's what I mean. I feel like the movie lacked a really good hero. I mean, villain. villain yeah. Because like somebody like that who's backed into a corner could be scary. Yeah. I mean, the moment when he draws and quarters that, like ha- hangs that guy. Yeah. Could be scary. One of his and brothers, actually. That guy gets hanged. <laughs> Oh, obviously. one of the brothers. Yeah, and then the, I didn't remember that then at all. Somebody tells Chris Pine, and he's like, "Oh, my brother got hung, drawn, and quartered." And then he's like, "Oh, and your your wife and daughter survived, but they've been kidnapped." He is so much more upset by the second half of that than the first bit. Oh no, I think it was more like he was like. He does a lot of stunned shock. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense though for a, a man in that era who's at war, you kind of expect to hear that your brother has died in war. Yes. You know? yeah. But also but he-, he does like, he does, he follows that up, that performance. What am I going to say? How am I going to say this? You know, the the way he's performing the, mm. the reaction to that news where he's like stunned and in shock, but has to keep it together is the same thing he does in the next scene on the boat Yeah, where he's like, you can just see that kind of slightly glazed not here look mm. and he has to pull himself together to ask about the wife and daughter so mm. i think it's more that he had like that kind of i have to try and keep this together but i'm really in shock about this mm. and then when it's he says about the wife and daughter maybe also because they're not dead yeah and that gives him something to do as well yeah exactly like and an then he tries to, to kind take- of fight the air <laughs> Yeah, that's right. He does a weird sword thing, which doesn't look nearly as cool when he does not it, it does when Aaron Taylor-Johnson does well, it's it. Not, yeah, he's not actually doing no, it. No, he just wants to get his sword out so he's got something to hold on to. Yeah, and to, like, like, anchor like him so he's like, I need something to fight, but there's nothing there for him yeah. to fight, so he just kind yeah. of collapses. Yeah. Which I thought was quite good emotionally. Like, I could, I, f- yeah, the emotions of that scene worked for me, mm. but I am also distracted by the fact that I find Chris Pine so pretty, even with the even ugly with that mullet. mullet. I know, I know, but it's just his face. <laughs> Like, I mean, there's something about attractive. the way that I his yeah. eyes are and the way that he talks and stuff that just gets to me. Oh, a bit like the penis bit. I just wasn't thinking about him as a hot person when I was watching this. I kind of got too caught up in it, which is great. Yeah. That's what you want. But yeah. I, he has moments, definitely, mm. where I was like, oh, he's so pretty. And one of them was the sex scene. Where, oh, like, my God. He was so skinny. and like so toned, yeah, yeah. And like, you're just like, oh, my God. God, worked. <laughs> Chris Pine's trainer and nutritionist worked really hard for that scene. No, but he always looks like this. He's had shirtless scenes and like, and he's not all like buff either. No, no, in he's this. he's kind of a skinny guy. Yeah, yeah. And he always and I just he's so pretty to me. Like I just get distracted by it a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I yeah, I didn't find that, which is funny. But I mean, I obviously i, I was those bits. i wasn't thinking that in the emotional scene by the way yeah i wasn't distracted by that i don't think in the emotional scene there were a couple of no, times but you do like chris pine crying i really do i do like chris pine crying chris pine crying and also there's a moment when he's like when the um bald guy uh oh, valance or whatever his name is well, the right, British guy. i was like <laughs> the guy who isn't oh, what's his name you know the the ex footballer who does a lot of movies and, oh. like, was in Lancelot. Uh, Lance, Lance. Yeah, the British footballer. I can't remember his oh, name right now. That mu- the show that I love that has Tim Olmanson and everybody in it, the, the musical one. Anyway, that guy. <laughs> um, I was, uh, every time I saw him, I was like, oh, it's not that guy. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Which is how I remembered who he was. Um, right. right, right. But um, when he offers to fight him one-on-one, I was like, that's smart. He knows he looks prettier when he's a bit beaten up and people will be more likely to follow him. <laughs> Which, by the way, is kind of what ends up happening. Yeah. Like wh- he loses a couple of battles, gets some scratches on his face, you know, looks a little beat up. Suddenly everybody's falling in front of him. You're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, like, well, it is, it's getting a bit of experience as well. Like people yes. keep earning their respect. But also he looks good beaten up. Oh, but um, so the, the TV show Katie's talking about is Gallivant, And the person she's you. talking about is Vinnie Jones. Yes. I was like Vince something and I knew it wasn't. Yeah. Um, that's how I remembered who that guy was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I was just like baldy. I didn't even bother remembering his name. Although thankfully the subtitles at one point told me he had a name. Um, (laughs) thank God for the subtitles, honestly. did I have, I, I think I must've, no. I mean, I feel like I always have the subtitles on because I never turn them off and they're, but, oh no, that's on YouTube. It's not on yeah. Netflix. Sorry. Anyway, it, it was yeah, it was helpful, I, had no I think, trouble... to have the subtitles on. Oh, not, not. I don't have a problem with their accents. I just, because the subtitles often gave the name of the character who was speaking, that was really helpful yeah. to me. And also spelling out people's names sometimes when you don't remember them or you can't see them. That was why I found them useful, not so much the accents or anything. With regard to the accents, I didn't notice any particularly bad ones. I thought Callan Mulvey's was the weakest. Yes. He is not what i would have considered part yes and i also not what i would have considered an act an accent actor so on that front he actually did quite well he surprised me yeah (laughs) um because i was watching him expect it but he drops it quite a bit especially Mm. in the scene where he talks to chris pine um and doesn't two actors two two actors out of accent but i didn't notice chris pine dropping a lot no i i didn't think it was i mean like, if you're actually Scottish, it would probably annoy you, but mm. it wasn't enough of an issue to bother me. And well, I mean, this has a, a Scottish director, so he made a deliberate choice to cast two up. Americans in the two main roles, right? Aaron Taylor Johnson's British. Is he? Yes, he is. I thought his wife was British. I thought he was American. Promise you he's British because he was in um, Nowhere Boy as um, John Lennon well before, huh. uh, but just before he was in Kick Ass, and that's where I first saw him, I'm pretty right. sure. And that's, uh, yeah, he's British. Oh, yeah, no, I. I um, Kick-Ass launched him in America and then he's played a lot yeah, of the Yeah, yeah, no, I sits, just didn't. But, but he, he made a deliberate choice to have two non-Scots in those yes. roles, right? Like that was. And then Tony Curran there to anchor them in this. And yeah. like I didn't hear huge differences in those three's accent when they were all talking to each other. And uh, like I think any, inconsist- any mispronunciations were consistent. Yeah. Because <laughs> his I just, accent was yeah. very. And I'm like quite familiar with chris pine's voice um so i know what he's and and mm. he sounded different in this he was mm. really really working at that yeah you know it's like um when you listen to hugh laurie's house as opposed to hugh laurie yeah yeah like he was he sounded very different mm. um and i really thought he worked hard on it um and i appreciated that he was you could i think chris pine is somebody who really likes to push the envelope of what he can do in movies Yeah, and take on roles that aren't I mean, pretty who or aren't yeah who would have called this like this is not what you would expect him to do right and i think he's sort of become a movie star because of star trek but that's not like necessarily his kind of like chris evans actually mm. chris evans is kind of similar in that he always had those character roles before he took captain america and chris pine's done a lot of similar things and, you know, he went and did singing and in Into the Woods mm-hmm. and stuff like that that was a bit of a stretch for yeah, him. And he, he, he likes to try and do mm. stuff that people think he can't do. And I thought he did a very commendable job. I know I already have a crush on him and I'm a bit biased, but I thought he was good. Yeah. Yeah, no, I didn't have any problems with the, the performances and I think that charisma of his is very important Mm -hmm. in this person because he has to, I mean, I know we talk about how it goes on a bit too long, but he has to relatively quickly win all these people over. Mm -hmm. And he does it so easily because he has that wonderful charisma. Mm -hmm. You can see why people respect him and look up to him. And he doesn't um, – I'm interested in the character because – he isn't very good at grandstanding. Mm. Um, he doesn't make a speech that is a an inspiring speech. Yeah. He makes a speech that is the like the right speech for that. Well, I think it was moment. funny because this is essentially a sequel to Braveheart, which mm. is the last thing they would want to think you to think it is, because it is in fact very anti-Braveheart in so mm-hmm. many ways. And that is one of the big ways that it is anti-Braveheart. Like he knows the men that he has mm. and he speaks to them as you know, fellows in the cause. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not, um, and he also he gets in with his soldiers. Like he's in there digging mm. a trench um, before the battle and all that kind of stuff. So you you can see why this guy was is a folk hero. Like, yeah, he's, exactly. He's one of the people, but he is also better than the people. Yeah, like he's got that wonderful leader leadership and and charismatic temperament. But he's also he's in there with the soldiers. He's at the front of the army. Yeah, and he doesn't like when. Everyone else is kind of going, "Oh, we beseech you to please help us and he's like, "Well, they'll help us eventually, or they won't. Huh. This isn't going to work, and they're going to look down on us yeah. um and also the fighting the guy one on one thing's really smart because he doesn't have that many men, hmm. and it's much smarter for him to try and fight one on one and then if he does win, he wins the respect of the men that he's got, yeah, but that was blown by them deciding to shoot them in the middle of the night like jerks, yeah, which yeah, that definitely I think if they just consolidated that scene and that next scene in the water, mm. they didn't really need to be two separate scenes. No, well, like losing his wife and daughter and then also losing his brother at the same time, that would have been enough and mm. you didn't need to kind of – like and they're mucking about on boats and stuff. You're just like, wait, what? Who's What's going on here? I immediately thought of the end of The Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That's like, what it looked like. yeah. I mean, because the landscape is not dissimilar either. Yeah, but the, that reminded me of that. Yeah, I mean, um, it's an excuse for some – there's like these beautiful landscape shots of – And we should talk about how well shot this movie is too. But there's beautiful, beautiful landscape shots. And like that one there's an excuse for a beautiful drone shot of a lake. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's some other beautiful shots of mountain passes and things like that. But yeah, in terms of the cinematography though, I don't know. I kind of got a bit sick of the tracking shots after a while. But also this movie is marketing itself on the fact that it has a nine minute tracking shot is its opener. That's That's one single tracking shot where he, yeah, from where he's kneeling down, swearing fealty to the, the old king, all the way through that is one shot. I think it's really good that it, that I didn't notice it too much. Yeah. And, well, like it, I just noticed it, that one. And there's another one, I think maybe when he goes to Beric, they, they'd like to have, follow him into buildings mm-hmm. and then out of buildings. Again. I did notice the one where like with William Wallace's arm hanging from the thing. Yeah. yeah that's I noticed Berwick. that, but it's not like, it's not like showy. Look, I can do tracking shots. No, it's, keeping you in the moment it's 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 this is the guy whose perspective we're in yeah and i i think that's a really uh, a good filmmaking um when you're not like oh look at how impressive this tracking shot is you're like oh i really feel connected to robert and i didn't notice it was nine minutes i just thought thought this was good oh they're following him i kind of like the way they're doing the handheld Mm. here yeah exactly Um, yeah I think that was quite good. I'm just going to go through my notes. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, I should go Because I mine. think we're going towards the end and there's definitely things. Although my notes for this movie are largely unhelpful. Because um, <laughs> my very first note is the hair in this is tragic. Because everybody has bad hair in this. Aaron Taylor-Johnson has some sort of like tangled mess on his well, face that, that the was, whole time. I know, yeah. James Doug my first note because I didn't know who couldn't see the actor's face I was like James Douglas brackets long hair nice nice and then I realized who it was I was like oh right yeah this drama bitch it's like if like Loki in the when he's in prison in Mm. the second Thor movie that that's the hair but he has it for the whole movie yes um was very excited to see Cal Mulvey Cal Mulvey is like a a very um very much a um um, sentimental favorite for me whenever he shows up but the Mm. thing is he always plays these like thugs now yeah because it's that accident that he had that made his face look like it does now and Mm. when he was younger it was very different yeah i mean he was such a pin-up for our generation Yeah, he was (laughs) van gogh um so he's the that Ah. is the the like seminal van gogh like it's the yeah um, what's the word? The seminal's not the word, but it's like the definitive. Yeah. yeah. I thought that the well, the king has a line that says, you had the courage to challenge me and the wisdom to surrender. Mm. Something very similar. Something like which that. Which I thought was a really good line. Yeah. Um, And it does actually show that he has some leadership qualities already. Mm. And then my literally my next note is, F- I just really love Chris Pine's eyes. So <laughs> yeah, well, I, I got, I've got a lot of lines like that. I'm like, oh, sexy turtleneck fight. <laughs> like there's... <laughs> oh god like, it's a lot of getting distracted i was like i like that turtleneck outfit that's very kind and then when these because it's white and then he has the blood patches on yeah, it later yeah, it on really it, it's good. really good yeah. good costuming yeah yeah and he's got that green dress that he comes back to at the end yeah i liked the addresses i liked the uh like non-traditional masculinity yeah but they the also clothes. weren't like trying to put them in kilts or whatever that would be anachronistic yeah exactly um, it looked you looked good. It all looked very historically accurate, if the terrible hair is anything to go by. Well, that's right. Yeah, they're like, I don't know that, that 14th century Scotland had great hairdressers. Yeah. Um, I was really appreciating that there was no rape until they had that woman running out of a house like, with her boobs hanging out, and I was like, oh, come on, you didn't, you could have just implied this stuff instead of like... Mm, I, I missed that bit. Yeah, yeah it's, it's um... When is that? I think it's when can, they're taking his castle. Well, yeah, certainly the soldiers grab a woman and they, I would remember that bit, but Yeah. No, she runs out and she's screaming. She runs out of a room or a house or something and then they pull her back and she's... Yeah, but yes, minimal rapey. Um, My notes actually have a bit more about Florence Pugh, who we've talked about a bit, but I thought she was really good. I think they could have integrated her story a little better and also, Mm. like, done a bit more to set up their relationship, like spent more time setting up their relationship instead of him losing every battle for 40 minutes because we didn't get enough of them together. You know, like they they have sex and then she immediately is gone. And that's finally when she's decided to be with him. Yeah. Really? Although she does decide that she's going to be on his side earlier. Yeah, she decides pretty early on that she's going to be on his side. But they're very much apart up until that moment. It takes a while. to cut. Like, I I didn't think that was badly done because, like, obviously she straight away makes the effort with the daughter and the dog. So we know she's good. It's not that it's bad i just think it could have done mm-hmm. with a little more of the relationship building and us getting to see them together and being like a couple yeah yeah because it's immediately after they really come together as a couple that they're split up yeah and that- then you're like i feel like they've been apart a lot longer than they were together right and that, and that that part of the story the whole like this forced alliance marriage ends up being a real alliance that's interesting mm. And she's given a lot of agency in that. And then after she mm. gets captured, I mean, she does exert her agency in one particularly good scene. Mm. And then she gets hung on that cage outside. And I'm like, what are they, how are they going to get her out? And then we never see how they no, get her out. No, we don't. Which is frustrating. I was like, are they going to lower her into the sea and kill her? And then like, obviously yeah, they don't same. kill her. But yeah. Yeah. I was like, what, what, what's going on with her? Yeah. Yeah. How come we don't get to see that happen? But where she was around, I did really like her. Yes. They particularly liked her performance. There's a bit early on where the English are trying to take the castle and they're trying to take a 14-year-old boy to, yeah, into yeah, the yeah. army. That's and her she's, big moment. Yeah, her big – she stands up and, like, the actress, you know, her whole body straightens up and she puts her shoulders back and it. She just brings this booming voice from the bottom of her diaphragm out. And, like, you you see that this is, like, the daughter of a lord kind of thing. That reminded me a lot of um, Carrie Fisher as oh, Leia yeah, because yeah, yeah. she's super tiny but, like, so commanding all yeah, of a sudden. Yeah, and, and being, like, being, you know, born royalty kind of thing, yeah. like, born nobility. And exactly. so she knows – how to pull rank when she can yeah it was really good i thought she was um, great but she is so tiny like the height difference was and then pine and- is not a hugely tall guy either. no i mean i think he's tall but not like very no, tall. No, like average height like not a you know not exceptionally tall yeah so she must be really really short yeah. um she did kind of look like a kid sometimes <laughs> well she did trailing and i mean around like to be fair though, she's meant to be you know young or whatnot But, and, and the fact that she bonded with the daughter, like she's almost closer in age to the daughter than she is to him. Yeah. But I thought they had pretty good chemistry, which is Mm. why it's sad that they don't give it enough time. I think Mm. like, I see why they did it, but also I felt like I could have gotten a better, a stronger sense of them being connected. Mm. Um, And then also cutting back to her a bit more often would have helped. My super helpful helpful notes include, that's a bad dye job on her. Why do they live in stone castles? It must be freezing. And black people. (sighs) oh right because there were black people in the market and i'm like oh my god they acknowledged the existence of black people in the past in scotland wow Um, Uh, yeah the stone castles thing which me was like these castles look really old and like they wouldn't have been really old then no they would have been relatively new and modern for the time but that's the thing i think that it's stone castles they always look old and cold so cold it's such a weird and you're in scotland exactly like put wood on the floor it's warmer I don't understand. (laughs) Another really helpful note. Um, Aaron Taylor-Johnson sure was keen to kneel in front of Chris Pine. I mean. I'm just saying he was very servile very quickly. Yeah, He was like, boy, boy, Robert the Bruce is pretty. I'll follow him anywhere. I mean. Florence Pugh looked like Christina Ricci to me. It was distracting and I noticed it a lot, especially when she looks up because she's got the same upturned nose and round face. Mm. Oh, yeah, there's a moment when she looks up to him and she goes, what is it in the tent after you hear very clearly screaming from outside and he's been in there with her and you're like, what do you mean what is it? (laughs) Like clearly there's trouble and he hasn't seen what it is yet. (laughs) It reminds me of um. There's a there was a speech that Reese Witherspoon gave recently where she's like, in every movie, there's a moment when the woman asks the man, "What do we do now?" Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And she doesn't actually, to be fair, do that in this, but her "What is it?" moment pretty close though. Reminded me of that. I'm like, what do you think he's psychic? Mm. (laughs) Like, do you think he can just look through the wall tent of uh, the wall tent tent wall the tent flap? (laughs) Yeah, and just like know magically what's happening outside when you're both in this tent together Mm. like what did you think that sound was god (laughs) Um, (laughs) i didn't notice a few times that they used women's commodities Mm -hmm. which i think is more a product of the time but it would have been nice to see more women's point of views i suppose yeah well because they did quite well with elizabeth like they gave her a bit of agency and they tried with the daughter as yeah. well even though they kind of were doing the whole oh well, historically there weren't very many women around they they tried with them so you would have kind of it would be nice to see them try a bit harder mm-hmm. with them there was a little there was a servant woman at the start as well their, their wedding night and mm-hmm. chris pine goes back to his own bedroom really quickly and the one of the male servants says, Oh, that was quick. And the female servants, you know all about that. By the way, they're recurring characters through the whole yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. And it took me ages to realize that we kept coming back to they them. They come back. They. She's cooking porridge later on and the soldiers mm. come in and yeah. Um, Robin Hood. I'm so glad that kid I barely remember is back. <laughs> mm. Also, the transition to the peen scene um, was... <laughs> <laughs> Literally from Florence Pugh being lowered in the cage and like her lowest moment and being terrified, and then it's like Chris Pine emerging naked from water. Well, yeah, well, I mean, he's off on the island with um with Tony Curran's family and stuff, and yeah. Aaron Taylor Johnson's chasing Tony Curran's daughters and getting getting uh, in trouble for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did notice that um one of the plans. Oh, the I don't remember one of the plans reminded me of um w- was seemed very Kirkian to me. Like James T. Kirk style, oh, um, yeah. uh, there were kind. I thought there were kind of similarities between Robert the Bruce and Kirk in that both of them were like, yes, will like play up their fighting skills and brutality, but are actually very smart diplomats. And like, mm. he also spoke French. He yeah. speaks French to so like, yeah. But at the same time, Robert the Bruce also left like ten um illegitimate children lying around the place. Yes, so that well, kind there of you thing. Go. Yeah, so, but yeah, I thought there were some similarities. In oh yeah, characters. definitely. There's a there's a moment when Chris Pine does say they they would take our land, and it sounds very I mean brave hearty, brave and then yeah. he follows it up with, but they don't know our land. And yeah, yeah, are like ah, like, oh, that's that's different. Um, not just different, but like underwhelming. Mm. It shows the differences between the two of them. Yeah, Florence Pugh had a surprisingly good singing voice. Oh, and then at the end of the movie, my my nearly last note is, how did James even recognize Robert in the mud? Was it the eyes? They're good eyes. <laughs> so... <laughs> Even when I was yep. actually concentrating on the plot, I would get distracted. But remember when we saw Hell or High Water, and I was like, "What do you mean you don't recognize him? Those are clearly Chris Pine's eyes. Anybody who's ever seen Chris Pine's eyes would immediately recognize them in a balaclava." Mm-hmm. So I suppose it's the same thing with the mud. Although I thought he recognized him from behind, and I was like, "There's no way. Yeah. Everybody looks exactly the same. They're just well, mud I, I actually recognize Chris Pine from his the way he walks and aaron taylor johnson as well mm. they're both a particular way of moving i've just, i think i've just seen a lot of them in other I, movies yeah but i also feel like um james was not james edward I, james douglas is is um no it's edward that recognizes him in the mud and i called him james which shows you how oh, well i was following yeah, yeah. the story yep but um yeah edward recognizes him in the mud Yes, I think yes. from behind, and he says Robert the Bruce, and I'm like, "How did you know?" Well, no, they probably that era with like all the heraldry and stuff they have on their sh- shield. But he thing, wasn't I just think wearing he, it. like like he, I, he would have spotted him, I think. Maybe, but he he you couldn't see anything about his outfit that stood out because it was just mud splattered. Yeah, he yeah. was from the back, and they all had the same haircut except for bowl cut man. Yeah, like it's just you know Edward got was that bowl haircut man. Was so bad. Yeah, all of them, all of them. Yeah, hair. yeah. One of my first notes is. Duck off, bowl cut. Yeah, and then um, how did Florence Pugh get out? And where's his daughter? Were my last notes. Yeah, so it's like, oh look, a heartwarming reunion on the beach. And all I could think of was, but we didn't get to see her get out. And you didn't like he, he said the daughter was waiting. We don't see her. exactly, yeah. and we don't see understand. her escape either, which would be cool. The the daughter escape. I don't know the not the daughter. Sorry, yeah, um, Florence, Florence Pugh. Pugh. Like I would have liked to see her be saved, or whatever. Because yeah. I'm, I mean, we're still thinking she's in jeopardy up until she runs up to him on the yeah. beach, yep. like. I always yeah. feel disappointed when you don't actually get to see the moments mm. when it, they just explain it away in, in dialogue. It always annoys me. Yeah. And she, so, you know she would have done a good job at it because of that whole scene where she refuses to sign a thing re- renouncing him. Yeah. So it would have been good anyway. Yes. Uh, sorry, we should wrap up, I guess. So yeah. what do you want to give this one? I'm going to say three and a half stars. I think first half is like two and a half, but then it really picks up. Yeah, so. I probably will go with three and a half as well because it's good. It's fun. It's a good way to spend your Sunday night or whatever. It's great that you can watch it at home. Mm. Um, And I enjoyed it. If you're a history nerd like me, you definitely enjoy it. And obviously Chris Pine is wonderful. So, yeah, I think three and a half. And, the, yeah, the length is a bit of an issue, mm. but it's still not that bad. So, I like Yeah, it. I think the problem for me was more pacing than, than length yeah. exactly. Yes. Like if they just moved things around a little, spent more time with one – you know, with some things and less time with others, the two hours would have been fine. It's yep. just the way that it worked didn't work for me. Yeah, it was a bit like it would have almost worked as I wrote somewhere, a miniseries like episodic TV mm-hmm. where you build up to a battle and then you have another episode. And But anyway, I, I still, you know, it but still wouldn't have gotten a half, the calibre of actors for that really. No, so exactly. Or the calibre of director. So I think it's good. Um Yeah, so – thank you very much for listening to the silver screen queens podcast if you would like show notes or old episodes you can find them on our website silverscreenqueens.com if you would like to find us on social media we're at screen underscore queens on twitter facebook.com forward slash silver queens and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on tumblr thank you for listening bye bye